right, here we go. It is episode 24, season two of FF Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. We're actually coming to you today after a win. It hasn't been the case since November 9th when we had the day after a win, when the Flyers beat the St. Louis Blues 5-1. to uh, But they get the win last night. Full value for the win wasn't given to them. I thought they earned what they got last night. And they, they earned a good win over a good team in the New York Islanders. And the winless skid is over. Thank God. You know, they win two in a row. They, they beat Tampa earlier this season. Third game of the year. Can they beat them again? We'll see. We'll find that out tomorrow. But uh, Bill Meltzer going to join us in just a moment. And it is time to get Billy on Stick to Hockey Live. So anybody that's got questions, uh, you can reply to the tweet where you're finding this because that'll pop up in my timeline. Also in the comments section on Facebook, uh, Facebook Live, I guess it is. And also on uh, YouTube, you can post questions that we can see here as well. So uh, let me tell you about Bet Parks. Bet Parks, fantastic casino and sports book. It is the best. It is easy to use, easy to navigate, and you can bet on everything from player performances, same game parlays, live in-game betting, teasers, props, parlays, you know, you name it, futures. On all the sports, hockey, pro and college hoops, pro and college football, you've got a World Cup going on. So there's tons to gamble on, and it's easy to sign up, easy to use, faster to win than ever before. Uh, so do yourself a favor. Download the new BetParks app today. You do need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Also, Conquerville Nice or Subaru because they are fantastic, and they have a great deal going on right now. now they were the first Subaru Nation Love Promise dealer of the year winner back in 2015. And right now, Subaru's got the Share the Love event, which is going through January 3rd. And they'll donate $250 for every new car sold for to one of five charities, which you get to pick which charity. Either the ASPCA, Make-A-Wish, Meals on Wheels, Nations Parks, and Conquerville's hometown charity, which is Namor's Children's Hospital of Delaware. And so it's a great time uh, to to get, get a new brand new car, just in time for the holidays. Visit the beautiful showroom on Route 202 in Glen Mills right into the holiday season, and check out the certified pre-owned inventory and a list of incoming Subaru vehicles. It is a fantastic place. And it's more than just a great dealership. It's a great service department, too. Free car wash with every visit. So visit ConquervilleSubaru.com. Check out the showroom on Route 202 in Glen Mills. And remember that Concordville cares. Let's bring him in right now from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, HockeyBuzz.com. He's writing it all. He's got a great article coming out on the Flyers from, is it the 80s, Billy? It's the 80s. It's totally 80s Flyers edition. It's, oh, my uh, God. Yeah, it's, it's now online on, on uh, the Flyers website. It was, it, was so much, it was so much fun to put together. And you're from the same generation as I am. Yep. Those 80s teams were, were the teams of my heart. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Broad Street Bullies, I, I was a little kid and, and certainly grew up steeped in all that. But it really kind of came of age during during those 80s teams. And, oh. you know, they're, they're 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 really they're they're so much so much a part of my own story that it, it was a, a personal thing to write and it was and it was it was a lot of fun too. I, I bet because you have periods in hockey like classical music, you have your baroque period, but the eighties are my romantic period. Like yeah. I remember it. Like it wasn't. I I didn't like the Flyers in the eighties. I fucking loved them in yeah. the eighties. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was so many guys, whether it's talk or. Peter Zezel or Hexy and Pelly and all of those guys. I mean, there's just so many figures from the eighties that to me are larger than life. 
Oh, the, yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, you go back and look at those teams, and they really were – they had stars. They had some stars in the team. Tim Kerr's, the Brian Props. Only one Hall of Famer, yep. which is Mark Al. But uh, they, they were always more than the sum of the parts. Mm-hmm. And you look at you know you look at what they did, just banged up, but like banged to hell. And and uh, the way they were able to take Edmund, the Edmonton Oilers at the the height, at their very height, and take them seven games and score first, even in Game Seven, out of gas, you know. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, I, I really, as a fan, I couldn't, you know, I, I look back and I, I was devastated after Game Seven. I mean, I didn't, I didn't talk to anybody for two days, but I look back at it now, I, I couldn't have been any prouder if they would have won the cup because yeah. you know, and, and so those, those are, those are very special teams to me. And it's it just, so the article is just a, just a mixture of stuff, you know? Uh, so some of it, some of it kind of a little silly, you know, um, some of it, some of it, uh, you know, uh, like, like if you still, yeah, I, and I tried to encompass the entire decade. So like, if you're, you know, if you still curse the name Leon stickle, you were, yeah. you know, you're an eighties flyers fan. Um, if you still haven't forgiven Chris Chelios, you know, for the elbow on, on Brian Prop, you're an eighties fan. But but most of it most of it is on those mid eighties teams. The Keenan the Keenan's kids teams that I think were really the height of that era. Yeah, and you're right. They taste Edmonton at that time when they're at the height of their superpowers. I think I think the greatest hockey team ever assembled that that Edmonton team with Gretz and Messier and Kevin Lowe and Yari. I mean, just Grant Fjord and Andy Moog. I mean, just so, so darn good. There's so many players to list. Essa Tekin, I remember he came in and it, just phenomenal. So, yeah, um, right. And then, and, and Paul Coffey and my, my buddy Lee yeah. Heddleston and I, we were, we were at Baldy Middle School and he was, an, he was an Oilers fan. And we would, we would go into Hal versus Coffey every single day. And of course, Howie's right. my ultimate favorite player. So that uh, that's a, I had I had to include that that is one of the things in there. If you used to debate, remember, remember Hockey Digest used to have the Who's Better mm-hmm. article, yeah. and I, I mean I, I love that thing every month. And sometimes sometimes I totally agreed, sometimes I vehemently disagreed. But I, every every time I get the issue, that would be the first thing I would turn to, yeah. and that that was that was the thing that we would always debate with, you know, which player was better. Now you know he was the he was the Oilers fan. And you you had to you had to give him Gretzky, right? But uh, sure, you know, but. Um, yeah, so I mean, and stuff like that. If you still, you know, if you still miss Prism, you know, you're an '80s fan. Those yeah, kind of things. yeah, no doubt. What a great decade that was for Flyers hockey. And so, I mean, it starts out with the Cup against the Islanders, and then go back in '85 and '87. It was it was fantastic. Um, Built while well, the team current team is a ways away from, you know, being a Cup contender. Uh, they finally get a win last night, though. They end the 0-7-3 10-game winless skid uh, against the team that handed them double digits in the New York Islanders. By the way, I like the the home-and-home. Home. The only thing that makes the home-and-home home a little more, even more toxic, perhaps, would be home-and-home home on back-to-back days. But um, full value for the win last night. I, I thought that, Bill, that wasn't a win to end a skid that was handed to them or the other team coughed one up i thought that they earned everything they got in the game and they got to win for sure and and i think i think the little two-day break between the games helped them quite a bit you know and and a lot of times you see that you know uh we've you and i've said on on flyers daily though when when you're going good you want to keep playing but when when you hit the skids it's really hard because there's not practice time you you know you, you can watch video but you really, you really need to go in the ice to work things out. Having 
having a day to mentally reset, a total day off, and then a, a real practice day. And you could see in the ice, like uh, they were very sharp, very structured, and that yeah. that was um, that that was really the key. They took away the middle of the ice, and um, the, you know the, they outworked the Islanders for pucks most of the night. Um, and it's funny because they did that. They did that in portions of the game on on Saturday too. But this mm-hmm. time they were to carry it through. There were there was yeah. no there was no letdown period. And you know, great closeout. Um, something that's really been lacking this year. Uh, to me, the only other closeout that would be even close among the games they won was the game in Nashville. Um, they had a really good third period closeout in that one. Uh, otherwise, the games they've won have all been you know hair raising. You, you just hang on for dear life. Um, Hart was Hart was outstanding in the game. Um, yeah, really, really, just just you go up and down the lineup, and and I thought that uh, yeah, every, every everybody was on the same page last night, which hasn't, which often hasn't been the case. There, there's the talent piece of it, but there's also the there's also the there's playing, you know, there, there's playing as a team, right? And um, I, I think that heading into the season, we talked about what is the roadmap towards being competitive in in games, night in and night out. You know, I, I think I think that. Last night's game was an example of that, where you're maybe not the more talented team on the ice, but they were the harder working and certainly better structured team. And that's what the Flyers have to be because, you know, if it's talent versus talent, they're going to come out short most nights. So it was uh, really, really nice to see. Um, it, it's one night, means no more than one night, but we can stop talking about a losing streak. And, uh, you know, there, there's three more three more games in this homestand. And it's funny because – Four. You know, all that's all that's gone wrong this year. They've beaten Tampa and they've beaten Jersey you know, among their eight wins. So you, you never know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the rest of this home actually have four more is, is tough. You got Thursday against Tampa, Saturday against Jersey, Monday against Colorado. Then you wrap it up the Wednesday against Washington. So you got tough opponents coming in. Great way to start it for sure. And I, I do think that, that that's obviously while they're bereft of talent. Uh, that's their blueprint to, in the way that they have to win. And there's very little margin for error when you have to play that way or you have to play pretty much exactly that way to win games. But here's here's the thing. You know, there's everybody's working hard. I think for the most part, 97%, whatever you want to say it is so far this season, I think they've worked. I didn't like the Penguin game. There's points in other games that I didn't love, but – Overall, they've been a very hardworking team, and the thing is, is there's not a, it's not only a group of guys on the team that are working. I, to me, it seems like I can't really point to a guy that's not working hard or not kind of holding up his end of that bargain. No, for, for from a work ethic standpoint, from playing away from the puck and those kind of things, and and a resiliency standpoint, if they're not showing it, they're not playing. You know, and, and uh, I mean, I think in terms of the extent that to the extent that you you can hold players to, to that standard of competing because that's the that's the least you can ask that that, that should be every single game you yeah. know that, that that should be without exception everybody's gonna have some nights where they their legs just aren't carrying them you know and and, and whatever and there's just gonna be certain games during the course of the season where you're just a little bit flat um even even the penguins game that, that you mentioned you know every game has those little turning point or potential turning point moments. Mm-hmm. And when you're the underdog team, you have to you have to deliver in those moments. Um, you, you go back, go back to the Penguins game. You know, the, I mean, the difference, the difference really in last night's game 
where where things can could go off and it could have gone off the rails. You have the two fights that are right off the hop, right? Now now the building is going nuts. Uh, you take a really bad penalty, and just just a, just a stupid penalty, and now you're and then then you find yourself down by two men for about I think a minute and twenty three seconds, a minute thirty two seconds, whatever it was, and now you give up a five on three goal. Yeah. And now, you know, and now all the things, things could totally go off the rails. You give up another one. Instead, you get a shorthanded goal. You draw even. You cancel the, you know, you basically cancel out the, the five on three goal. And that that actually sucked the life out of the Islanders. The Islanders really got dominated the rest of that period. And that, that was the turning point. So those those little moments, those little moments when, when they do happen and you're the underdog, you can build off of it. And on the flip side, go back to the Pittsburgh game. First shift of that game, 30 seconds in, they turned the puck over right there. Um, the Penguins did turn the puck right over onto the stick of Kevin Hayes. And, uh, you know, he feeds, I think it was Noah Cates for a one timer from the slot. And Jari makes a safe. Yeah. You know, that, that, if you would have, if you would have jumped on them right there, 30 seconds in, you got a goal, all of a sudden you're off and you're running, right? Yeah. Second period, a minute and a half in, uh, Bellows and Frost have a two on one. And it's, uh, you know, you're trailing two to one. If Frost scores there instead of tucking it just wide of the post, now all of a sudden it's two to one, 90 seconds into the second period, and you feel, hey, we're in this. Yeah. And uh, it's a game. Yeah, and, and it's just those little moments. But if you're if you're the more talented team, you're gonna have more of those opportunities in the game to mm-hmm. to score when those you know score when they arise. If you're the underdog, you only get a few of them. You'd better you'd better capitalize on those, or, or uh, you know it, it can turn on you and go sideways. So. It uh, last night they they stepped up as they needed to, and they defended really well, and then all the rest of that. So that was uh, that, that was the blueprint. Bill, you know it's interesting because in the game last night after the win, John Tortorella uh, mentioned Kevin Hayes and said, you know, a lot of people think that Kevin Hayes is in the doghouse. He's not in the doghouse. I need him to change some habits. I believe was the way he termed it. I'm not sure exactly how he termed it, but um, but he needs to play the right way. You're yeah. looking at Hayes right now, and, I mean, he's more than a point-per-game player. In 23 games, Hayes has got eight goals and 16 assists, 24 points. What's that, like an 85-point-something point pace for the season? I don't know if he's going to end up being a point-per-game player, but for a team that lacks scoring, I mean, he has been – it's not only, you know, that he's he's piled up like four points in one or two games and, and been kind of invisible – He's pretty much been there almost every game delivering points for the team. Um, but the move to wing and now the off wing, I, to me, I look at that and I go, you know what? I think that maybe is where he belongs because some of his habits in his game are hard for other players to read around him, where he's going to be and where he's going to go. On the wing, that mitigates a lot of that to one side of the ice. And now you can play him with Farabee because they're yeah. both wingers. And Sedlak was in the middle, who I thought had a tremendous game last night. Yeah, Sedlak, Sedlak was outstanding. Both yeah. sides. Of I the made game. him the number one star, Bill. I, I picked the yeah. three stars last night. I got a lot, of, a lot of pats on the back for that selection of Sedlak as the number one star. No, I mean he uh, that, that that was a great pick, Jason, because he he made an impact shift after shift. I agree. He, on, on, on whichever zone it was in, in the neutral zone too, he, he was breaking up a bunch of plays. I thought Farabee had a, a quietly a really strong game, yeah, a really encouraging too. game. Um, in terms of Hayes on on the off wing or just Hayes in general this season, I mean from the offensive from the off the offensive uh, perspective of the game, 
you, 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 you really they, there's there's nothing you can complain about. And now he's scoring goals too. Mm-hmm. You know, before we was just racking up assists, and it was a lot of assists on, on goals that Kanaki was scoring. Yeah, you know, and and listen, he's got to get the guy the pot anyway. So you know, I I think sometimes. I, you, I think you and I have had discussions about assists before, and some people, some people go, "Oh, well, secondary assists." But sometimes the secondary assist is the important assist on it. Mm-hmm. It, re- it really depends on the play. You know, sometimes the primary assist is the guy who just barely got a touch, or it's his rebound that the yeah. guy dashes in. Um, I, I think that I think that in terms of distributing the puck, he's been outstanding. Now he's scoring some goals too, and it's, it hasn't even been line mate dependent. You know, regardless of who he's played with, he, he's produced points. So from from an offensive standpoint, no no complaints whatsoever. Um, you know, from a team that's so starved for points, for creating plays and finishing plays, uh, I think Hayes has been tremendous. Um, and in terms of the playing the right way part, and which which involves things like back checking, not overstaying your shifts, right? Paying attention to your defensive assignments in, in your own zone. Uh, having your stick in the right position, I, I think that I think that Tortorella's been right. I don't think Case has done that with any consistency. Um, and, and in terms of the, those details from game to game, even that's varied. It's, you know, um, I think he's had back-to-back really strong games. Actually, like, you know, against the Islanders, he's really stepped up. Uh, in the Penguins game, I thought he was one of the worst players in the ice. Yeah. So you know, I, I think that I think that you know when when Tortorella is trying to set a a standard he loves that word and and uh, needs guys to model that he needs Hayes to be one of those guys and i think he was getting to a frustration point where he wasn't getting it with any consistency so the wing probably is a good place for him Uh, i think there's other guys honestly who'd be better off on a wing or looked at on a wing um number 48 being one of them yeah morgan yeah I, i i understand they need centers but uh you Apparently know, I, not I that bad if you're moving Hayes to the to the wing. No, I, 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 yeah, I guess. I, you know, <laughs> I, and I thought the same thing too. I mean, one one thing is, uh, and and I commented on this to somebody last night. Ross uh, has actually been pretty damn good off the puck lately. Um, and last night he made two or three outstanding defensive plays. But you know, when when you're playing center, you're the last to leave the defensive zone, and they want they want Frost moving using his legs, moving his feet more. It's easier to do that playing wing. That when you're you're the last one out of the zone, yeah. So it, it, it might be it might be of something to try down the line. Um, and I yeah, I think something you can click at center. I, I I hope I hope he continues to stay with Tippett. It's been hard. It's been hard finding. There's been I think one game where both guys had a good game on the same night. Yeah. It's been one guy or the other guy, once or twice neither guy. But um, you know if you have if you have two guys you have them both going on the same night. I think you're on to something. But um, but anyway, you know, you're you're trying to find lines that contribute. Having Scott Lawton back is huge. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like Atkinson will be back very soon, and uh, you know, that that opens that opens a whole lot up for the team. And uh, you know, then before you know it, all of a sudden you're you're looking a lot healthier as a team. I mean, Katoria's out for a long haul. Hopefully, have Allison back soon, and then then it looks more like an NHL lineup. Yeah. Then you can put a couple of lines out there that you go, okay, this is, you know, commensurate with NHL skill and talent and uh, some pedigree. You know, the the interesting thing with Morgan is, I, yeah, I agree with you. I think he's a player that's so much better served to lead a rush 
not trail a rush because because he can create that initial zone entry with his creativity and get into the zone and it, you know some players are designed to get into the zone and lead the rush and curl and set up plays with their vision other players are more designed to be the guy that is getting into the zone and setting up for a one-time opportunity or finding the space in the middle of the ice and i think i totally agree with that. i never thought about it but he, to me, he's a player I want leading the rush, not trailing the rush. And now, we'll see if they move. I agree. Away. Otherwise, you get to, I think he seems to get a little lost on the ice. Yeah, I agree. It gets lost in the middle and down low sometimes in the offensive zone um, where he's playing too much below the bottom of the circles and not getting to a place where he can have a little bit of space and, and create. No, I, I agree. And I, I think I think it's worth a look. Yeah. Um, Hayes, by the way, has six games this season in 20, what is it, 23 games, um, where he doesn't have a point, but he does have seven multi-point games this season. So I just kind of looked at that, and there's just a lot of consistency there. I mean, he had one stretch where he had, what, three games in a row. It was the Carolina Rangers-Toronto game. They actually shut out in the Ranger game. Anyway, they lost one nothing in overtime. Um, but he didn't have points in any of those games. That's his – does he even have – does he even have – no, he doesn't even have another stretch where he's gone more than a game without a point. No. So, I mean, he starts out the year 2 1 1 2 1 or 2 2 0 2 0 0 0. That's that three game stretch. And then, let's stop this unresponsive shit. Um, and then 1 1 0 1 1 1 2. Uh, so uh, he's been very consistent. You don't want your guy just getting in bunches and then disappearing. You know, sometimes that happens with star players and especially scorers or shooters, uh, which brings me to Tippett Bill because he's been a little quiet lately. It really looked like he was catching fire, but of late he looks like he's maybe now lost a little bit of confidence and is just not finding the back of the net. And for a player like him, it's going to come. And when it comes, it comes in bunches. Uh, but there are going to be periods like this. You just want to mitigate how many of these periods in the season he has. No, for sure. And, uh, you know, Tippett, everybody talks about Tippett's shot, and I understand why. He has a very, very good shooter. He has to use his legs well, too. And he's mm-hmm. capable. We've seen it. He has speed. He can handle the puck. He can distribute the puck. He hasn't had enough touches lately. Yeah. You know, there have been – now, I it ended up not factoring into the game last night. But there was, there was a play where um, – where he almost scored off the draw, actually. Again. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Again. Yeah. Now he wasn't taking the face off this time. It was just, just a clean win to him in the circle. And I mean, just bang on the net and almost scored. That that would have been huge. It would have been huge for the team and for him. Yeah. Just, just keep at it. You know, just keep at it. But yeah, I, I think that with Tippett, you know, some of the shift in and shift out can can get back on track here. Um, as I said, he's been with Frost a lot lately, and I hope that stays together. Mm-hmm. But having having both of them play play well on the same night, uh, other than when they first put the line together for the first game and a half, and they were both they were both rolling, you know, I I think it's been one or the other or neither since. But haven't they been able to get them both going? Um, and and I, another guy I, I want to mention, and I don't know what it's going to look like as you know as guys get back and if Atkinson's back, I thought Bellows put together. Two really good games in a row, mm-hmm. and then I think he's kind of leveled off again the yeah. last few. So I, I wonder if he's the next guy who sits as, as they get somebody back. Yeah, because I think I think Atkinson's coming back in tomorrow, Bill. I mean, you saw yeah. the video of him in practice. 
Yeah. I mean, going after Risto, knocking the bucket <laughs> off. I mean, that does not look like a guy that's not ready to me. <laughs> and getting like you get Lawton back last night. And I want to talk about Cam Atkinson in a second, but I want to talk about Scott Lawton because Tort said after the game, you know, when you talk about a baseball player and your manager or anybody is describing you and they say you're a gamer, it's the ultimate compliment. Oh, oh yeah. It, it, that means everything. That, that is, you're a guy that goes out there and does plays with honest integrity. And, what Torts said about Lawton last night in post game was he's just a pro's pro and a guy that I think that, you know, he didn't use the word lead, but I think he said something like inspires young players and young players can look at him. To me, it was the ultimate compliment of a hockey player. And I think it's really clear how Torts feels about him because he's the only guy that he's put a letter on his jersey this year. That, and that, that, says, that says a lot, yeah. No. It it really does. He, and he said he's the only guy that's going to have one all season. So you you know what he means. But I think the presence of Lawton last night was very calming to a lot of guys. And I don't think it's happenstance that he came back in and they were able to close the game out properly. No, for sure. He uh, The level of competitiveness he brings. And, and one one thing that I think a lot of the young guys – couple of veterans have problems with is putting a mistake behind them yeah you know and and the thing with Lawton part part of being a pro is he just rolls with the punches you know the the, he competes at a really high level and one thing also that that I think and you have to be around the team day to day I think they fully appreciate this is that if you were to look at all the guys on the ice and and you didn't know the team and, and you'd say okay who were the guys who were competing to stay in the lineup, make a team, whatever? Oh, well, that, that, the number 21 guy for sure. He's working his ass off out there. Yep. And, and Lon, and Lon, of course, is a guy who has you know, his role is solid. I mean, he's all, he's going to be out there every game. He makes a mistake, he's going to be out there the next shift. But that that's how he's wired. He's wired to work like a guy who is trying to make a team or, or, or you know, get in, get in or stay in the lineup. And maybe maybe some of it's his own background experience as a guy who went back to the minor leagues for a full year and, and came back to the NHL in a little different role. But, uh, but the, the, the example he sets every single day, his work ethic is off the charts. His competitive, his competitive level is off the charts and something else too, that uh, another reason why he has and deserves the letter on his uniform. And if they had named a captain would have been my choice to have the C mm-hmm. um, is because you know, he can, if, if he says something, it means something. And when you have, when you have, you need a guy and there's somebody in there who's struggling or to be in the lineup, you know, and, and or whatever, like Lon's the first guy to go to him, you know? And, and, uh, and, and so he, he's a guy that both the veterans and the young players like and respect, um, you know, when they talk about trying to establish some leadership, leadership group in the room, you know, sometimes you have clicks or whatever. That that's not Lawton at all. He's inclusive of everybody in that yeah. room. So so just just up and down all, all the all the things you look for in a team leader. That that's uh, that's Scott Lawton, and that's also why when they resigned him a couple of years ago, rather than trading him, my whole point on that, and I, th- I think you and I did a whole episode on that on Flyers Daily, was okay. You trade him, you get an asset. Now how do you replace him? Because they're not yeah. that they're not easy. To, they're not easy to find. 
it's easy to find the points, replace points. He doesn't, you know, he's not a big point getter. He's kind of, you know, he'll go through stretches where he he's rolling a bit offensively and he'll go through some droughts. But just in terms of the total package of what he brings, those guys are not easy to find. Yeah. The cost for replacement for a player like that can end up being far exceeding what you ended up paying the known commodity. One of the things too, Bill, um, not completely known at the moment, but I think based on what Torts has said, we're going to get to know a lot better is Igor Zamula. Um, to me, based on what Torts said, I guess it was two days ago now, Monday, in that incredibly revealing press conference, by the way, on Monday, I thought it was interesting as hell. Yeah. Um, it, it sounds to me like they're ready to develop a guy at the NHL level on the blue line. And I've really appreciated Torts' transparency with the, with everything he had to say on Monday. But sounds to me like a veteran is probably coming out so Zamula can cut his teeth and make, you know, everybody says, oh, put the, bring the players up, let them, you know, develop at the NHL level. If they mess up, they mess up. But sometimes the player's not ready to mess up at the NHL level yet. Is Zamula there ready to make his NHL level mistakes to get them out of the way? Yeah. And I mean, remember, he was going through a pretty tough stretch. Yeah. He was playing basically every, every game for a while early this season. Hit a, hit a pretty rough patch with turnovers and, and lowered confidence. And, uh, you know, he so he was sitting for an extended period of time. And I, th- I think they made the decision that, uh, you know what, I mean, he, he really he, – he's a guy with this stage of the game. I don't know how much more he's going to benefit from the American League. Um, I, it, it is interesting that he was the guy that they recalled and they said we're going to roll with him. They, I think they still want to see Cam York. Hit a, hit a level of consistency in his all-around game before before he comes back up. But, um, you know, there hasn't even really been a lot of talk about imminently calling him up. Yeah. And, and it's not like he's not producing points. I, I think there's, you know, I, I think it's some of the things that, uh, that, that Brad Shaw was talking about, that Torts was talking about during the, during the preseason. They want to see it demonstrated over a long period of time. Um, you know, and they're not going to pull – Sealer imminently out of the lineup because in that third pairing role he's actually done really well. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I think the odd man out um, is it, Justin Braun right now. Uh, he he sat last night and I think he's going to continue to sit. He's a veteran and he, he knows the deal. He's not going to bitch and complain if he sits out a few straight games. So that there, there's there's some piece of that too. Because yeah, once you get uh, D'Angelo back, then you have to you have to bump somebody out. Yeah, yeah, you, you you do, and that's uh, you know, so that's we'll we'll see how all the, how that rolls. But I I think that guy would be Braun. Um, Me too. And and I also want to give a I also want to give a mention that I thought Rasmus Ristolainen played his best game of the season last night. Yep, I thought he was. I think sometimes he's over assertive. Yeah, but I thought he rose to the occasion to play alongside Provi last night, and you know, outs. I didn't love the penalty. I thought it was. I mean, who was it? Brock Nelson that went down. I mean, yeah. I thought he folded up real easy on that. <laughs> I thought that was a little weak call, but um, overall, I look at it and I go, "This guy." I thought he stepped up and played within himself and didn't overplay, because I think that's when he gets in trouble when he overplays situations. I think just the fact that you're not reading about Rasmus first line or he's not trending on Twitter tells you he played well. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because uh, you know, or somebody's somebody's posting his course here expected goals for the night. You know, it's yeah. uh, 
Yeah. So, yeah. He he was definitely good in the game. But I think the other thing about the game last night that that I loved, and you know why I loved it, was the goaltender. I thought was really good in the game last night. And Carter, as I was talking to Scott Lawton, taping my interview for Flyers Daily right after the game in the locker room that we work out of, Carter was doing the radio interview with Tim Saunders and Steve Coates. And Carter said, bar none, last night, he said this game, but this was last night, he said, this was our best game of the year, our most complete game of the year. And maybe that's, you know, whether it is or it isn't, it's close. But when you have the side-by-side comparison of 10 losses leading into last night, that that's why I think he felt that way. And the thing is, is against that Islander team, which is so big and loves to get inside, Bill, they just didn't let him inside. And the goaltender, you know, did his job, you know, made every save he was supposed to, a few he wasn't supposed to, mm-hmm. and he looked like the Carter from the 0-6-2 start, or 6-0-2 start at the beginning of the year with a really gaudy save percentage. Sure. And... You know, we, we say this all the time that team play and goaltending are, are just they're, you, they're so intertwined. Yeah. And if one is good enough, it'll help lift the other. And if one is bad enough, it'll drag the other down with it. I don't think Carter was even ever that off. I think the team play in front of him was so breakdown prone that it dragged it dragged him down with it. You know? yeah. And that's what happened. I, I thought what happened last year, too, after the All-Star break. Because you remember the All-Star break, he had, a, I think, a 9.16 save percentage or so, kind of what he went in to last, you know, to last night's game with. And the team was the team just gave, gave up so many quality chances, looks that were, you know, uh, even things like, you know, I, I don't think there's any perfect statistical measure. I know the I know the current trendy one is, is saves above the above expected. That that's mm-hmm. I, to me to me so much so much of what goes into goaltending is when you make the save versus when you get beat, right? And Situational. It's very situational. And also, if you've given up a couple backdoor goals where you have no chance, now now you have that in the back of your mind and you're a little more likely to cheat off the post, and that's when something sneaks in on the short side. And no statistic will show that, but but it's all about, you know, it's all about the, the flow of the game and knowing Knowing where your team's vulnerabilities are. If you if you know your team's gonna play structure in front of you and you're gonna see the puck and you can get in you know, get into a good square position, you're gonna hit with the puck, right? And and uh and Carter just was out. I mean, he had to make a, a couple reaction saves that were fantastic, right? The doorstep. Yeah. But I mean a lot of the last time was just positional saves that he made look easy. Yeah. But that also goes that's his that also game. Goes, yeah, <laughs> for sure. When when he's on, that's yep. his, that's his whole game. But yep. also the team playing with good structure in front of them may help make all that possible too. And you, it's hard, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to separate the two things. So uh, mm-hmm. I thought that, uh, I thought that you, if you play that way in front of him, he, he's much more likely to deliver that kind of a game. And if you, if it all gets messy and unstructured and, and chaotic, any, go, any goal is going to be dragged down with it. So, you know, even through as, even, even as the save percentage was coming down, 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 uh, a lot of it to me was, well, environment like how, how's it how's any goalie gonna play behind this yeah so yeah. I, I you add any level of predictive with with the way that carter approaches the game uh you know is so much of it is you know beat the pass on my feet be in my spots and square with the proper depth and if he has structure around him that gives him predictability 
And when a goalie that plays his hallmark is is structure and his movements and the technical aspects, when he gets a little bit of predictability, look out because they almost are unbeatable because they're always in the right spot and they have the full Monty of save selection at their disposal. It's what made Carey Price, when he had some level of structure around him, he was so far in the shooter's heads because they get the puck on an east-west pass and he'd be there having a margarita, sitting there with the umbrella in the drink, waiting for you to take the shot. And the guy looks up and he goes, I just had a cross-ice pass. I'm supposed to have a, a goalie sprawling to get there. And this guy's there already pulled up and parked. And it would drive shooters crazy. And then they're trying to pick corners and missing the net. Um, that's that's how player goaltenders like that can get into a, a shooter's head just because of their efficiency and being able to be in the right spot. But one of the, this is the last thing, but I'm trying to figure this out. You know, they're one game beyond a 10 game winless skit, which, you know, when you go 10 games without a win, it's, it's a miserable existence around the team. You know, I, I didn't think there was any quit. There was, I didn't think there was any finger pointing based on things I've heard and all of that. And I, and I think they've worked hard. I think they've been honest in the way that they've played games, even though they lost 10 in a row. And then they get the win last night. But I'm trying to figure out, you know, we all know what seasons are like when, you know, a team is is rebuilding or whatever you want to call it, retooling. And there's always a moment in that rebuild or retool where you start to go, you start to get this flutter in your belly. It's like, you know, when you first meet a girl <laughs> and you start to go, okay, they're starting, I'm starting to see the seeds of something really good. Yeah. And you start to watch the team. You go, yeah, they're not winning a lot, but I'm, I think we're going to head into this off season and feel like we're going to have a good summer of love, whatever you right <laughs> to keep the yeah. metaphor going. <laughs> are we going to get that feeling this year? You know, are we going to start to look at this? And go, okay. These are the guys that we know Torts is ready to move with, you know, at some point in February or March, are we going to start to go, okay, they're starting to build something here, even though they need a lot. We know what, they don't need and what needs what fat needs to be trimmed. We also know some guys that are going to be here, but are we going to have that flutter at some point in the season, which to me is the time that you hit the chess clock and you go, yeah. okay, now we're officially moving. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think there there's two pieces of that. There's the NHL level pieces mm-hmm. and you know, don't, don't look now, but the the phantoms are six one and one in their last eight games. Yeah, they're playing and, well, and, and it's and it's not the you know it's not the Cal O'Reillys that are leading the team. It's mm-hmm. the uh, you know it's the Forsters and it's the Adderds and and uh, York and uh, you know e- even a guy would be a, a role player like like a league self, right? Those are the guys who are leading the team right now. So it's uh, you know those are guys you're hopeful of developing and, and coming up to the NHL level contributing. So there, there's that piece of it too, that uh, getting the developmental piece right, which is something that, that I that I don't think the organization has done a very good job of um, in, in really going back, going back five, six years, you know, the, um, then we, you know, and not, not, not to go down that rabbit hole, but just, just the point of that, that I think that when you develop players to me, you put them in position to succeed, you help them smooth out some of the rough edges but you, you, you put them in the role that emphasizes what they do best. Um, I, I posted a um, – I rather retweeted something, uh, and, and Joe Watson was talking about a quote from Fred Shiro. And it, it applies to, to this day 
as much as it did back when Shiro said in the seventies. And he said, you know, as a coach, it's not my job to reward or punish players. What my job is, is to recognize what they do best, put them in position to do best, what they can do to help our team. And from there, if I don't do that, that's on me. If I do that and they don't deliver, then it's on them. So I, I think that, that that really cuts to the heart of what they, the challenge is. And hopefully that's what they do a little bit more of going forward. You know, yeah. you, you don't get a guy who is an offensive contributor that, that you that you see that way, and you worry so much about the off-puck game. That, that can come over time, right? Um, you, you don't get a guy who you see as a power forward, and rather than living with the growing pains, you, know, you try to turn him into penalty kill. Well, one quarter, one quarter of the way into his rookie season, they've they've done this. They've done this to some guys, and I, I don't think that it's put those guys in position positions to succeed. I think they're starting to get it right now, and, and that that gives me some hope. Yeah, I, th- that is a big thing. The Phantoms end of this, and that it's not the Cal O'Reillys, yeah. the guys that are there to help young guys. It's actually the young guys developing. I mean, it might be a time for a little check-in with Ian LaPerriere. I have to check in with, with Lappy, see what's going on down there, see what he's doing, making it you know work for some of these young players. And you know, sometimes for young players, it's snap. It, yeah. When it clicks, it really clicks. And sometimes, literally, that can be from one game to the next and then off and running a player goes. It's like some one game can change the trajectory of a player, you know, or start the trajectory properly, so... Awesome. Awesome stuff, Bill. Uh, the stuff uh, for the 80s night is on uh, NHL or PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. Yep, that, it is. It, it, it's live now. All right. And it's 80s night tomorrow night. So will they will they be doing the uh, the Cooperalls and warm-up tomorrow night? I, I think so, especially since the 80s were the decade of the, of the Cooperalls. So it yeah, would make, make a lot of sense. Yeah. And, of course, they, they schedule these nights as they can and, and, and bringing – Alumni and I know like Davey Poulin, for example, he'll, he'll be there tomorrow. Um, and but he has broadcasting duties, so they had they had to find nights when these guys were available to come in, and yeah. that, that's why. And they, you know, because obviously the Tampa Bay Lightning were not a team during the '80s; they didn't exist mm-hmm. yet. But you you schedule these things as you can. So, uh, but yeah, they'll, I'm I'm sure they'll have a, a lot of a lot of little little '80s touches. I thought that's on the '70s night they did some really subtle kind of stuff that I thought really, you know, was was really pretty cool. And uh, I've heard some of what's in store for tomorrow. I'm not going to ruin any surprises, but it'll be, yeah. uh, you know, but it, it should be pretty, pretty fun. Well, I got to tell you, there was a really good crowd there for the game last night for the Islanders. It And it wasn't like a bunch of New York people. Yeah. There was yeah. a good crowd in the building last night. I enjoyed now, that. There have been, yeah, there have been a, a couple of games this season. The uh, the military night also had mm-hmm. a, yeah, had a really good crowd that night too. So, you know, hopefully, uh, and hopefully it, it, people get back in the building and, you know, beyond seeing the good picture, beyond seeing the big picture, just so they can go and, and have a good time. Because the part, part, of the, part of the whole thing about following a team is that, that experience of going to games. And, you know, if it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, it should never feel, it should never feel like a chore to go to a yeah. game, to go to a hockey game. So, uh, well, you know, you're going to get an honest effort. Yeah. If you're plunking your money down, and look, you, you don't you're not getting any guarantee of a great game or a win. But what you should get is that, hey, I'm gonna get an honest effort from this team. 
And I think you've gotten that so so far. And that needs to continue. I imagine that Chuck is going to, or not Chuck, excuse me, Torts is going to keep, you know, that accountability on, on work ethic and, and those elements right in place. And look, I know a lot of people, you know, oh, but they're hard to play against. And there was two scripted fights in the game last night with Delarier going early and McEwen going early in the first eight seconds, two fights against, you know, two heavyweights from the opposition. First and foremost, both teams did that. It wasn't a flyer fighting a flyer. Um, so both teams agreed that that was important to do in the beginning of that game. Look, I don't love the pre-scripted fight. I think it's lame. I really do. But, and I like a fight that happens organically within a game. I'm all, I'm fine with that. But, you know, <laughs> Torts is old school. He values that. Lane Lambert yeah. values that. Bar- Look, Barry Trotz values that. And I know how everybody feels about Barry Trotz. He fucking walks on water, this Barry Trotz. Yeah. And, I, and I love him as a coach. But he yeah. would have valued that last night, too. No, so, like, yeah, the no jokes doubt. about, hey, the, 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 well, they fight and they're hard to play again. The, the guy that you all wanted before Torts, and I did, too, uh, Barry Trotz, would have been fine with that last night. No, no question. Um, you know, and was it predictable? Yeah, it was predictable. Actually, if you look at yesterday's five things, the, the game preview, the mm-hmm. flyer said, I talked about the carryover, and I said, listen, if there's a carryover in these things, especially nowadays, it's going to happen very early in the first period, yep. and then they, then, they, then they're going to play hockey. And yep. it was just, you know, <laughs> it, it was very predictable. Um, but, yeah, I mean, both both sides were agreed to it. They got it out of the way. And uh, But, I mean, even there, too, there's, uh, you know, there, there's it, it worked it worked for the bench i mean there the, there's the reaction in the crowd you know and they'll all crowds will always react to a fight mm-hmm. but uh you know a, a lot of it a lot of it had to do with just just the guys on the bench getting getting whatever <laughs> whatever was left over from the, the previous game and the third period all right let's let's settle it now and then, then they have a hockey game, and that's yeah. Now we can you know, move forward. Yeah, and, and and so you know, I I think I think that still is a piece of the game. Um, at least one fight. It's not always not always back to back fights off of whistles, but you look at the guys who were in the ice, and well, it was, they put Ross Johnson into the lineup. Yeah. There had to you, be two. you knew it. You, you exactly. Yep. You knew it right. Be you knew it before the game that the, what it was going to be like, and mm-hmm. and and, then, and that was fine. I mean, that's just uh, that, that's just part of how it's played, and. As you said, with the, uh, you know, with the both both coaches are fine with it, and um, just to just to wrap things up, bring it kind of full circle here, you know, Lane Lambert way back in the day was uh, was a teammate in, with Saskatoon with Dave Brown and, and Daryl Stanley, Oof. and uh, yeah, and, and Lane Lane loved those guys because he said everybody everybody else on the ice could just skate around, and nobody touched them. Yeah, so oh, yeah. he was the most he, that was like having Secret Service agents as the president. Nobody exactly. was touching you. Exactly. <laughs> Those two guys exactly. out there. So, the two Bruce Brothers. The two Bruce Brothers, yes. Bruce, Bruce Brothers t-shirts and all. <laughs> oh, wow. That's fantastic. I, did, I didn't realize that Lambert played out there with, in Saskatoon with yep. those two. That's Same great. Um, Billy, thanks for doing this, man. Great stuff. Um, read Bill's stuff at NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. The 80s article is there and posted, which is awesome. And, of course, HockeyBuzz.com as well. Thanks for doing this. Uh, we'll see you at the bar tomorrow. Yep, my pleasure. See you soon. There he is, Bill Meltzer. Um, fantastic stuff. Yeah, I, I I wonder when you get that 
that moment of you get the feeling, the flutter in your belly that you go, okay, we're moving in the right direction. Does that happen this year? Some people probably have their doubts. Um, is that one of those things that you go into this offseason and go, wow, I feel so much better going into this offseason than I did coming into this season? That's an important moment as sports fans is the moment you get the flutter. And you start to go, okay, I'm starting to see progress in a team moving in the right direction. Is it a guarantee they this is some kind of arc that's just going straight up and on an angle? No, but, you know, I – I don't know when that's going to be. Like the last time I felt it that I really remember, it probably happened in 1920 when they just refused to lose back-to-back games. But when Shane Gostisbehere first came in as a flyer and was on that like 16-game point streak, scoring goals in overtime, I mean, it was there. It was like you felt like the team was really moving in the right direction. Now, as it turns out, that team was good and competitive but made the playoffs every other year and never went on a run. So it's not a guarantee. But, I mean, 2009-10 season, in the second half of that season, you started to feel it. Now, those teams were at different places than this one. So I don't know. I don't know when you feel it. Um, let me tell you about the Bet Parks app. It's fantastic. Get in on it. You can bet futures. You can bet same-game parlays, live in-game betting, uh, player performances, props, teasers, parlays, you name it, all there for you. On all the sports, how about college and pro hoops? How about college and pro football? You got Hockey, you've got it all, all in the Bet Parks app. So download it today. Uh, just use the promo code Jason750, J A S N 750. That's for new and existing users. That'll get you a risk free bet up to $750. Terms and conditions do apply. So download the Bet Parks app today. You do need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem call 1 800 Gambler. Also stop by and visit my great, the great people at Conquerville Subaru. They've got the great, great Share the Love event event going on right now. The Subaru Share the Love event going through January 3rd where they'll donate $250 for every new car sold to one of five charities. You get to pick either ASPCA, Make-A-Wish, Meals on Wheels, Nations Parks, or Conquerville's hometown charity, which is the Namor Children's Hospital of Delaware. All great charities. You get to pick. So check out the beautiful showroom. November and soon to be December tomorrow. Uh, will be a great time to visit the beautiful showroom on Route 202 in Glen Mills. Uh, great service department, free car wash with every visit. Check out a list of their incoming Subaru vehicles and their certified pre-owned inventory. So visit ConquervilleSubaru.com now. For all the details, visit the showroom on Route 202 in Glen Mills. And, of course, remember that Concordville cares. All right, we're back Friday with another brand-new episode. Plenty to talk about, Flyers and Tampa on Thursday night. Can they win two straight? We shall see. Uh, But that'll be coming up on Friday for episode 25 of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. Everybody, have a great, great couple of days. We'll talk to you on Friday on a brand new episode of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. (laughs) 